This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Hello, everyone. My name is Erin Trelore, and I am the host of Raw Beauty Talks. We're taking you behind the highlight reel of the world's biggest influencers and wellness gurus to get a raw glimpse of what beauty, health, and wellness look like in today's world so that you can feel your absolute best in your body and in your life. I am excited for this conversation today. I have a question for you to start off. Have you ever cried in a workout class? Like cried, like not just because it hurt, well, maybe because it kind of hurt, but cried because you felt this total release, cried because the teacher is speaking words that pass in and out of your mind every day. And those words that you think kind of plague you, those things like, I'm not good enough, I'll never get there, I can't, I shouldn't, I'm not... Have you ever cried at a workout because for a moment you feel a release in your body of all the hard and painful things that you've endured? Have you ever felt like the sweat rolling down your face was this deep emotional cleansing? Have you ever yelled at the top of your lungs as part of your workout? If this sounds like some form of embarrassing torture, then (laughs) the class by Taryn Toomey probably isn't for you. Or actually, maybe it is exactly what you need. (laughs) If you're me, though, or thousands of other people who are absolutely obsessed with this movement revolution, then you get that this isn't just a workout. The best way to describe it is some sort of spiritual expansion or, uh, I don't know, self-love boot camp, and I just can't not get enough of this. Today, we have the incredible JC Gazette, who is a founding teacher of the class and director of training and development. JC comes from an extensive background of dance, yoga, fitness, and healing therapies and combines movement and emotions to create a safe space to let it all out. Her workouts will leave your heart pumping and your mind clear so you can get on with doing the work that you were put here to do. Her presence sparks creativity and momentum anytime she is in the room. JC, thank you so much for being here today. I'm so happy. Thank you so much for for having me. It's like, oh, the description of the class. I love how you're describing it. So anybody listening, you're either terrified right now or you're intrigued, one or the other. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. And either way, I really encourage you to give it a try. Get out of your comfort zone. I think even the people who are intrigued and haven't tried it are probably like, oh, my God, what am I what am I signing up for here? But it is incredible. JC, can you tell us a bit about the class and what inspired it and really what it is all about? how we describe it so that it's digestible because like you said in your experience there's so many different ways to talk about it you can talk about it from a fitness approach you can talk about it emotionally you can talk about it spiritually and the experience is like nothing you've never experienced so it does always come back to us being like well exactly what is it and how we describe it so that it's digestible it is we are a music driven map based practice that is self study through physical conditioning So what we're doing in the room so that you can have an idea as you're listening to this podcast is we're doing very simple, repetitive calisthenics 
and plyometrics. So we're doing things like squats. We're doing things like jumping jacks. We do something called a burpee, which some people love. Some people are getting to love it. Through those simple repetitive movements, we're challenging the body to engage the mind. And the incredible thing about the, the teachers is we're guiding you with powerful music, music that's curated to the experience so that you can witness your resistance to discomfort. So if you think about the movements that we're doing in the class where we're using intensity to amplify either what your internal dialogue is or what is going on in your body so that you can meet it, so that we can get to a place where, like you said, we're clearing it, we're letting it go, we're letting it rip, we're expanding ourselves emotionally, spiritually, and you're getting this heart clearing and body strengthening release. So we're working the outside and the inside. What we say all the time is that it, it's going to challenge you and enlighten you at the same time while you're building an incredibly strong, lean, resilient body that you're going to take these tools that you get in the room and apply them to your life outside of the class. I'm addicted. I'm honestly like, I hear that and I'm like, get me into the room. And I'm not just saying this. I wouldn't, there's really nothing else like it. It's so brilliant and it's so needed today because we are in a place where there's so much going on for us spiritually, mentally, physically. And I think all of it gets tackled at once when you're in that room on that mat with this music that just, I mean, honestly, the music starts and you're like, well, I could just lie here and cry the whole time. And have a- <laughs> it's, inc- it's incredible, right? How, how music absolutely is this, it opens the door to feel emotion. And we're obviously curating the, the playlist for that reason is where we're looking to how I talk about it is stretching the rubber band of the emotional body. So as you go on this roller coaster ride with us, as we go up and we go down and we come in and we go out, the music is setting the tone like a, like a really great score in a movie would to help the emotional body open. And it does. And I should preface this whole conversation by saying not everybody cries in the class and you don't have to cry in the class. <laughs> you definitely don't have to cry. Some people some people come in, they're like, I'm not crying. And then they do cry. And other people come in and they're like, I can't wait to cry. And then they don't cry. So it doesn't, crying is not required. Although we do say that we are in the business of tears. And, and you know, it just even the crying conversation is, is so interesting because the conditioning around crying is like, you don't want anyone to see you cry, right? It's, I don't want to cry in public. And then there's something that you right away want to apologize for. And something that we say all the time, as we talk about Taryn and the birth of the class, we met through this incredible woman, Alison Sinatra. And in part of studying with her, one of the first things she, when we were in her training was like, there's no apologizing for tears. Like we're going to make a commitment and take an oath that when we're crying, either telling a story or in a process of something, we're going to take out the apology. Yes. Why do we feel this automatic need to to apologize when we cry. We don't apologize when we start laughing or when we're happy, but there's something about sadness and anger that our society deems as kind of not okay. I mean, we even teach our kids that when they're little, like 
hide that frustration or don't cry, be a big boy or whatever it is that we say, when it is such a healing, cathartic experience. As a crier, my husband has had to get used to the fact that this is just like a part of the way that I express myself in moments. And sometimes it's about happy things. And sometimes it's about sadness. Sometimes it's about fatigue. So tell me a little bit about your thoughts on crying and the expression of it. I think a lot of the conditioning is around how it makes other people feel. If I'm apologizing for crying, I don't feel it's coming from a place of I'm apologizing to myself. It's more of the conditioning and the approach of we should curb our behavior in a certain way to be acceptable for other people. So if my crying is disturbing you, or let's just say it's not culturally acceptable, I'm going to apologize for it right away because my behavior is no longer acceptable of what I what was taught to me, or maybe you get uncomfortable about me crying and you don't know what to do, so I'm apologizing. But just like you said, the beautiful thing about tears is the emotions are moving. And that's what we all want. We want the release. We want the healing. And without the emotions moving, nothing, nothing's going to change. So if we get to this place of understanding, like we call it the bullseye, like if you're crying bullseye, like you, you've hit it, <laughs> you've touched on the nerve, you're in the truth space, you're in the heart space, you're, you're in the sweet spot. That's exactly where you want to be because you're in truth. And if we can get to that place of being, of, of really knowing if, if I'm laughing and, or if tears are coming, because it can be, like you said, well, you don't apologize for laughing. The emotions, when they move, sometimes they come with laughter. Sometimes they come with tears. They come in all different shapes, but why do we need to apologize for them? I think there's a saying that emotion is just energy in motion e-motion, energy in motion. And it is so true because when we stop ourselves from feeling something, whether that's sadness or fear, whatever it is, we create an energetic block in our body that starts to show up as things like anxiety and depression and, I mean, even physical ailments that people experience. Whereas if we're able to express the emotion we allow that energy to move through our body. And every time that it moves through our body, every time that it is able to shift, it changes a little bit. And we create space to move through the sadness and into joy, through the pain and into comfort, through the fear and into our strength. And this is something that I have found incredibly healing throughout my journey was really identifying those feelings that I was uncomfortable with feeling the fear, the sadness, the anxiety, and truly giving it space in my body to expand, giving it space to flow so that I could move through it. It's scary doing that because you feel like it might engulf you, that it might take over your entire body and that it will never go away. But I found the exact opposite by allowing myself to feel it takes away the power of the emotion. It slowly dissipates. It cracks apart. And all the good stuff is left underneath for you to experience. Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think of your goals for a second. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should get Babbel. 
Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that really don't help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversation, and Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teachings so you're ready to practice what you learned in the real world. If you're heading to another country, anytime soon, start using Babbel a few weeks before you go to learn basics like how to order food, ask for directions, speak to merchants without having to consult language apps while you're away. So fun. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash talks. Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Lola V, an award-winning hair care line founded by the fabulous Jennifer Aniston. Jen got tired of the same old struggle we all faced, choosing between hair products that work and ones that are actually good for us. With Lola V, that dilemma is history. We all put our hair through the ringer. That's why it's crucial to have products that not only repair the look of the damage, but also shield your locks from future harm. Enter Lola V's bestsellers, the Glossing Detangler and the Perfecting Leave-In Conditioner. They're your hair's new best friend. For a limited time, you get 15% off your entire order at lolavie.com. Just use the code RAWBEAUTYTALKS at checkout. Lolavie is all about naturally derived plant-based goodness, no silicone, sulfates, parabens, or gluten, and of course, cruelty-free and vegan. That's 15% off your order at lolavie.com with promo code RAWBEAUTYTALKS. You can only use one promo code per order and discounts can't be combined. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Tell them I sent you over. Now, JC, you said something so interesting and so important, I believe, at this time in the world. You said that we often avoid our own emotions. We avoid crying, not because it makes us uncomfortable, but because it makes the person who's with us uncomfortable. And that just really struck a chord because I feel like there's so many things happening in this world right now, whether it's violence towards women or the way that we're treating our animals, the way that we're speaking to each other, the mental health that we're experiencing that desperately need change. And in order to create change, we know we have to get a little uncomfortable. If we're comfortable, we're not changing. And so I wonder in some ways if we need to be practicing our own emotional expression, if we need to be crying, if we need to be showing our anger and speaking in this way to make people uncomfortable so that we start to see change, so that we start to really create better practices for ourselves and for the world. I think we need crying right now. I think we need more tears for a minute in order to move forward more right the growth and the change and the evolution are not it's not going to happen by being void of feeling and emotions the change that we're looking to create in the world is going to come from a place of people feeling more empathy and compassion and getting more in tuned with their emotions and and figuring out a language for them that they can be expressed it's beautiful to see when someone's emotions are are just moving and they're not apologizing for it and just like you said you're you're able to feel what they're feeling and that example 
of whoever it is that is so comfortable with who they are and how they're feeling and able to express it is the model I think that we need more of. Right. So fascinating. You mentioned at some point this kind of idea between physical exercise and the mind getting worked. Can you talk at all about that connection of physical movement and how that can open up our mind or how it impacts the way that we think and the thoughts that we have? Yeah. How it feels for me as someone who's studied movement my whole life and I gravitated towards movement because of how it made me feel and how it expanded my awareness and my consciousness and like my thoughts and everything. It was like the bigger I could move or the more I could move, the, the bigger I could think. And once the intensity comes in through your physical body, your mind is going to get triggered. It's going to become activated. Something is going to happen. If you're you're two minutes into a jumping jack, if you're a minute into a burpee, if there's going to be some form of dialogue that is going to come up because the intensity, it's like the fire got turned on. And in that moment, we are actually looking for that to happen. We're looking to say like, okay, what's the mind saying today? Or okay, what's going to come up for me today? And through the intensity, we say a lot like you get to see who you are, we get to see what we carry. So everyone reacts differently when that physical intensity comes up. Generally speaking, a lot of the dialogue we're working with are, are limited thoughts and beliefs. So somewhere in there, there's going to be a wiring of fear or how do I get out of here or there's no way I can do this (laughs) or when is this going to end or I should have stretched beforehand I didn't drink enough water I drank too much water there's going to be something in the wiring that is going to be looking for the exit sign or some dialogue of why you can't do this a limiting thought or belief in that moment when it's coming up, as opposed to, let's just say, pushing through it and ignoring it, repressing it, pushing it back down, disassociating, checking out, thinking about something else, we're in deep, deep exploration and study of it. Like, okay, here's what I'm saying right now, two minutes into the jumping jack. My feet hurt. I may be getting a cramp in my side. And then we follow that thread a little deeper. Okay, where does that come from? Where else do I say that? Does that remind me of anything? Hmm. Is it true that I can do this jumping jack or is, or, or not? And in that exploration of it, it kind of takes the charge out because it's really fear, right? The fear is, is so loud that it, it, it's trying to protect you in some way of going deeper into it. But by studying it and getting to know it, and like Taryn will say, give it a name, give it a shape, get to know it, shake its hand the charge or the power of what you think it has over you starts to dissipate. And in that beautiful process of dismantling it, we have an opportunity to say something different, which is where we say, can we shift the story? Can we say something else? Can it sound different? Is it really as simple as that? Just meeting that negative self-talk and connecting with it and acknowledging that it's there and recognizing that it is separate from you, that there is an opportunity to change those thoughts? You're definitely on the road. You're definitely on the road and in the process to change. But I know this is something that that people, it is like common knowledge now is there, we're talking about awareness and we're saying awareness is step one. So if we can get to a place where we begin to understand that we are not our thoughts, we have emotions, but they are not us 
Now you're creating enough separation to feel where you are and where your thoughts are. In that separation, there's enough room Whereas before, maybe it felt like you were controlled by them. You were consumed by them. You thought they were you. You thought your thoughts defined you. There's enough separation where now we can say like, do I want to keep that thought? Is that thought working for me? Where did it even come from? Is that the story I want to be telling myself for the rest of my life? Now we're getting into a place of choice because we have a little bit of space to be like, do I want this? Or is there room for something else? And then what's that third step of, okay, I've created enough separation where I can recognize this thought isn't what I want to have. It's self-limiting. It's holding me back. And then actually creating that new thought and starting to live that in a way that's almost like you're living it subconsciously versus having to try so hard and like do the affirmations in front of the mirror. And how, how do we start to complete <laughs> that process? <laughs> This is where the discipline of practice comes in. So think about that thought that's originally there, the one that was unconscious, the one that you weren't even aware of that all day long, it's some type of negative self-talk of, you know, I'm not good enough. And then at some point we catch ourselves saying that, and then we begin to dive deeper into, okay, well, that's not me. That's something that I picked up somewhere along the way. And now that I recognize that that actually doesn't have to be me, what do I want to say? So that repetition of that thought has been repeated over and over and over and over and over again. That's so strong. We're not even aware of it anymore. We're, we, we weren't even, it wasn't even into our um, awareness or consciousness yet. So think about as you're building the new muscle, which is maybe the contrary action or the, the thing that you do want to say, which is actually I'm worthy of love and worthy period. That muscle needs to be worked just as hard as the old story did in order to form as strong as it did. So practice and repeat and the catching of yourself in the moment, because it's not just going to happen, snap your fingers. You're going to keep catch yourself over and over again, going into the old. And in that moment, there's the breath of like, okay, I'm not going to say it anymore. Here's the new story. But yes, to your point, how does it happen? discipline of practice. Mm. Sometimes before I do a speaking engagement, I will have notes on what I want to talk about. And I find if I go for a walk or a jog, or I'm doing something physical while I'm trying to remember what these points are that I want to make, it seems to lock in a little bit easier. Is there anything in regards to creating a new belief pattern or a new belief system and engaging it with movement? Yeah. And that is part of a lot of our experience too, is some people will say like, write it down or say it out loud, which I, I'm a believer in those, those things as well. But one of the things I think why the class is so powerful is you're getting your mind and your body and your breath married into the same moment so that what you are saying is being imprinted into your body as you're doing it. And how it feels for me is like, it's in your cells it's in your blood. You're repeating it over and over again in your mind. But as we all know, sometimes just thinking it isn't enough. So can you actually put it in your body? 
in the moment. Yes. And I've heard this countless times when I actually stop and think about it. When I was, you know, listening to Tony Robbins at, at one of his conferences, he was huge on the physical, on, on creating a physical experience that mirrors what it is you want to create in your life. So if you want to show up with more confidence and believing in yourself, stand up every morning and stand tall and pull your shoulders back and open your arms and speak fully. I'm doing it right now as I'm saying this and start to embody yeah, and that. You can feel it. Yes, you, it, there's a there's a change in the energy that you hold when you move differently and and so it really is it's more than just saying these affirmations. It's starting to move our body and like you said breathe in a different way that that reflects these new beliefs and that takes time and practice and dedication and and doing it over and over again it's so fascinating i'll never forget when i was in my 20s at some point and i you know struggled with an eating disorder and struggled so much with anxiety and i read eckhart tolle and i had for the first time this awareness of the fact that my thoughts weren't actually me. And it was, I mean, I'm quite a sensitive person, but it knocked me out for two days. I could barely get out of bed as I started to realize that all of these beliefs that I had and all of these thoughts weren't actually me. It was so profound and so shocking because it's hard to wrap your head around that when you really truly you know, I've created this story about yourself and who you are. And it was such a turning point for me in my own journey of self-love and understanding this concept. Now it's, it's a work in progress. It doesn't all of a sudden flip a switch and all of a sudden you, you know, only live from a place of self-love and only see yourself in a certain light. But it is, as you said, the first step in truly taking back some control over your life and stepping into your power. And on that note, we will be right back after a word from this episode's sponsor. I started hearing about adaptogens about a year ago and was like, adapt a what? (laughs) Honestly, since then, though, I have learned that adaptogens are natural substances that help our body adapt or normalize to things like stress or fatigue, which a lot of us are battling in today's world. One of my favorite ways to incorporate them into my daily routine is through Four Sigmatic's delicious organic prepackaged mushroom beverages. I love mushrooms, but these drinks don't taste at all like mushrooms. You just get the benefits. Their hot chocolate with reishi is the perfect mid-afternoon pick-me-up or before-bed treat, and it helps combat stress and increase those feelings of calm that we're all looking for. I also love their turmeric latte, which promotes healthy skin, something that, of course, I've been focused on since having two small babies. If you're looking for something creamy and delicious with a serious health kick, you're just going to have to try this stuff for yourself. Trust me, it is so, so good. Get 15% off your next order by using the discount code rawbeauty15. That's rawbeauty15 at us.forsigmatic.com. That's us.4, the number four, sigmatic, S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C.com. Let me know what you think. Now let's get back to the show. What was a, a limiting belief that you've had to work through or that you're still working through in your life? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm still 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 working and and you know, they you kind of feel like, all right, I, I've moved through this one and then boom, is like another <laughs> another one. Pops Come up. on, give me a break, life. 
it's true yeah exactly exactly you're like wow there's just more there's always more there's always more one that one that for a long time was let's say a big driver in my life is I had this limited limiting belief that because I didn't have like the traditional education or I didn't go to college and have the certifications of what I thought I should have that my story was I'm not smart enough. And and that was something that would come up a lot for me. It was just really like in my security within myself. But even if I was going into meetings with other people or found myself in all of the different variations of my career, it was something that was always with me, was I was constantly like, are they going to ask me about my education and are they going to see that I'm actually not as smart as they thought I was or something like this? So it definitely followed me around. And the work on that was to really get to a place of like, okay, well, do I believe that I'm intelligent and smart? And I had to get to a place where I actually really believed that about myself, regardless of what it looked like on the on the outside, which is where did I go to school? Do I have a, a college certificate? And get to the place where I actually really believed and felt that I was worth feeling that way about myself. It's so crazy because it's just a bunch of institutions and forms and structures that have been created by other people. And it's like, if you fit into this box, then you're smart. Well, that is absolutely ridiculous but we do that in so many different ways we do we we see that in media and advertising here's what beautiful looks like and if you don't fit into that you're not beautiful and here's what a good mother looks like and if you're not doing that and spending x number of hours per day with your children and feeding them this and then you're not a good mother i mean there's countless boxes that have been created for us and it's so important that we we keep breaking through them. Why? I mean, I say that it's so important that we keep breaking through them, but why is it important? Why does this even matter? Why this work is hard. It's not always that enjoyable. Why do we need to keep doing it? I think because if we're constantly trying to fit into something, then we never figure out who we are. Like we never will know who we actually are. If the whole journey is about fitting into in order to feel love and belonging, if that is only going to be met by fitting ourselves into a box, it's not even coming to a place of realness and truth. So what are we wired as humans? We're wired to actually connect. We are wired to be driven to feel love and be connected and belong. So we're looking for a box that's going to tell us that. (laughs) But if we're continuously looking outside of ourselves, for that recognition, affirmation, I, I made it into a box. It's still never even going to get to the deep cellular level of feeling love and true belonging. We'll still be unhappy. Like even if let's just say tomorrow I went and I like got my college education and I checked the box, is that going to give me a deep sense of love and belonging? No, it's not. It will give me something, you know, for maybe a period of time. But if I'm not fully in that place of worth within myself, it doesn't matter. You could, you could check all of the boxes and it's not going to give you that. Yeah, I, I completely, completely agree. It sometimes feels easier to almost step into the boxes in an attempt to find the love. And I've definitely done that through, you know, losing the weight or feeling like I had to look a certain way or getting the Botox or whatever it is. And 
it's true, like what you said about us as individuals searching for love and a sense of belonging and a sense of community. I mean, if you look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, once your safety, physical safety and food and shelter is met, then one of the next things that we're looking for is that sense of community and belonging. So this is at a deep psychological level. It's really, really important to us. So it can be incredibly scary to try and step out of the box too, even if you know, okay, this isn't actually making me that happy to kind of constantly be focusing on what my weight is or to be going back to school. It's not actually what I want to do, but we can become so trapped in that process because we're desperate to be loved and to have a sense of belonging. So how do we start to give ourselves permission to step out of the box in a way that doesn't feel like we're jumping off of a cliff, (laughs) if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I think it starts with somewhere in there being like, I want to live a happy and wholehearted life. I want to feel good in my life. I want to love myself. I want to love my life. And that desire has to be strong enough that it's going to propel you into an unknown, uncomfortable place to do the work to actually get to that place. But I think we're we're doing it because in the deepest depths of the truth, we want to have a happy, meaningful, purposeful life. But until we get to that place of that desire being strong enough, because like you're saying, it's not easy. Like it's not easy. It doesn't just happen overnight. And in the process, you're meeting your deepest fears. You're looking into your darkest shadows. You're you're meeting yourself in the beauty of it and in the darkness and the ugly of it too. But the desire and drive to to be like, life is short. I'm here this one time. I don't want to be miserable. I want to love myself. I want to love my life. And I, and I want to be of service to everyone around me will begin to drive you into the right direction. Absolutely. And I think what you just said about, you know, not wanting to be miserable, I think for many people on this journey, they kind of have to hit rock bottom in a way to realize actually that isn't for me. Have you ever had a moment like that where you were in a rock bottom kind of place that has led you to doing this work or? Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, there's, there's been a lot of breakdowns for sure. I'll give you like two examples of one earlier and one more current because I, I, I'm learning that the breakdowns are healthy and also helping you kind of get back on track and, and not back on track, but it's almost like, okay, that no longer works anymore. So it's breaking down so that you can create a better system for yourself. But there was a a period of time in my life, even though dance was my first love and moving was the thing that made me feel the best in my life always. There was a period of time where I I started to shift out of that because I was like, well, I don't know where this is going to take me. And I don't know if I'm going to be able to make a living and I should go more into the direction of what other people are telling me. (laughs) And something maybe that is a little bit more acceptable or proven or I don't know, easier. And when I really divorced myself of movement, and I wasn't really even doing it for my own personal practice, I just wasn't doing it at all, I did break down. Like I definitely hit the, wow, I thought I could kind of go into this other way of living and not honor that part of me, but I could feel what happened was happening to me physically and emotionally and had to come back to movement and the healing world to be where my trajectory of my career was going to go. But it's trial and error. I mean, I'm, we're happy for those things to happen because it's really just as important 
as it is to know what does work, it's really important to know what doesn't work. So I got that that didn't work. (laughs) (laughs) Then more recently, and this is a conversation that I I feel like a lot of people, even in the wellness world, are, are having that just because we're in wellness doesn't mean we have to learn how to balance being in a startup and work balance and taking good care of ourselves. And just because it's a wellness industry doesn't mean that we're always going about it in the healthiest of ways. So I've had to learn in in the breakdown of hitting rock bottom that like I just can't do everything that I want to do. I can't teach a zillion classes a week and be the director of training and development and you know work seven days a week and 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 even though it's coming from a place of I'm so excited and I love it and I want to share it it's still not in balance so learning that I have to apply and create strong parameters for myself of how to be the best version of myself and do my job while being of service to others without hurting myself is an ongoing process, but is like the relevant conversation I'm having right now. Yes. And I feel like there are so many people in health and wellness having this conversation. I just did an interview with Melise, who is the co-founder of Well and Good. And we discussed this exact topic when you are, you know, running that huge organization that promotes health and wellness and working 10 hours a day on your laptop. How, how are you creating that practice of health for yourself. I'm a health coach and had a massive burnout last year and have spent the last year really figuring out, you know, what my limits are and what I can do. And it's hard because I'm in the same, I want to do it all. And it's all so exciting to me and I want to see it all come to life, but it's got to unfold at a pace, which still allows you to honor yourself and to practice the things that your body needs in addition to the work. It's challenging time to do that when with social media, we can see so many other people who appear to be doing so many things. And for myself personally, I found it there was a lot of comparison happening. Well, she's a mom too, and she's still doing this. And she just raised that. And it's definitely a process. And I I don't think you're alone in (laughs) figuring out this concept of balance and and what that looks like. What does healthy look like to you and for your body? Healthy to me for for my body and myself feels and looks like, like happiness. If I'm happy, I'm feeling healthy. If I'm feeling um, energized and uh, my cup is full, then healthy is radiating, radiating through through my body. Are there certain practices that you've found that you need to put in place, or almost pillars? Like I need to move three to five times a week. I need to um, avoid alcohol. Whatever it is that really work for your body. Yeah, right now I'm being very strict with having two days off, like a proper work week and and two days off and having those days to not answer emails and and not teach and 
actually give my system a chance to decompress by changing gears into my personal life and being with friends and being with family and doing other things (laughs) other than work (laughs) really is a game changer for me. Like I started with really having to be, okay, I'm just going to take one day off and then being like, okay, I'm going to take two days off and I'm going to stick to it. So having that, and then whereas before, I think I was saying yes to a lot of whether it was amazing networking opportunities and events and you know catching up with a friend on Wednesday night and then going out to dinner with somebody else on like a Friday it just was too much from the beginning to the end of the day so i'm like limiting the amount of activities that i would do during the week and coming home and taking a bath taking a shower reading and being quiet so the quiet and and that's just like me being quiet, like just not having really anyone around me and giving myself time to just not talk. Mm, yes. <laughs> to, yes. to be in, in silence feels so restorative to me and gives, I think, like if I'm thinking about, I was saying to you, what we do in class is give people space. It's giving myself space to process yes. and reflect. Oh, I just live for the silent <laughs> moments. I really do. I really, I mean, it is, it is so powerful from a tangible aspect. When you have a friend reach out or a networking opportunity and, you know, it might be somebody you really care about, or you really would love to be at that networking opportunity and you have to say, no, how do you do that? (laughs) What do you say? Yeah, there's, I I was reading an article about this recently and one of these amazing energetic of healers, workers that I came into contact re- recently was telling me to like do an energy test. So when somebody offers you an invite or that email comes in about that event, like put your hands on your body, read it and feel what happens to yourself energetically. So like if it fills you up and it feels like a, a solid yes, and it feels like it's enhancing, then that's giving you information. If you read it and you're like, oh God, <laughs> I don't have the energy to do this this week. Or you feel your energy shrinking, then that's just going to help you understand, is this taking energy out or is it putting energy in? And then in the article I was reading, I can't remember where I read it, but they had it written in such a nice way, which is to thank the person. Like, thank you so much for this invite. I'm so flattered. I just adore you. There's nothing more than I would do, love to spend time with you. However, at this point, I'm overcommitted. And, you know, I'm not going to make it, but can I see you on, I don't know, whatever it is, like Sunday at 3 p.m., you make it up. Mm -hmm. There was something in the shift of that, because I think when we're trying to create these healthy boundaries for ourselves, we're not used to saying no. So when we're practicing it, it can be like, no, I'm not coming, or we don't answer the email. (laughs) We're so uncomfortable with it that it can come off off off-putting. So what I loved about that was like take it in and immediately respond in appreciation and gratitude and thank you so much for thinking of me and congratulations or whatever but to start with that and it it helps put yourself at ease that is amazing and i feel like i will practice putting that into play many times throughout the next few weeks and hopefully forever thank you if you <laughs> were to wrap up this podcast and leave a message for all the women who are listening what would that message be oh well i i really hope that i get to meet you in class i hope that in some way you find your 
yourself in class or on a retreatment with us that we do around the world. Um, and if not, which at some point will be coming to you everywhere in some form, pick your favorite song, be somewhere you can play it as loud as you can and shake and move your body for, for two to three minutes and then ask yourself how you feel. Perfect. Now, other than the class or the retreatment, where can people go if they want to find out more information about you or they want to connect? You can connect with me via social media. My name is just JC Gossett, um, at JC Gossett. And you can follow us at the class on Instagram and sign up for our newsletter. We are sharing more playlists and move sequences and building our community that way. We offer the class in Los Angeles, Miami, Vancouver, and New York. If you live in any of those cities, pretty much our newsletter is the best way to get all of our content and things that we're curating and creating for the community. Well, thank you so, so much for being here today. I agree. Everybody needs to go try the class. They're not paying me to say this. It's just an incredible, incredible experience. All right, everyone, that is it for this episode, but please be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a single show. If you liked this episode, please take a moment to leave a review, take a screenshot and share it on social tagging at Raw Beauty Talks so that other people can listen too. We'll be regramming your posts every week. As we wrap things up, remember your body is different than any other body out there. So as you listen to these episodes, keep tuning back into your to see what truly resonates for you. Do you ever feel like you're struggling through motherhood? You're not alone. I'm Erica Jossa, host of the MomWell podcast, therapist and mom of three. Join me each Wednesday as I sit down with guests, including psychologists, pediatricians, psychiatrists, fertility specialists, lactation consultants, and more to unravel the myths of motherhood. With expert advice, practical tips, self-love, and some coping skills to help you along the way, you can become the mother you want to be. Listen to the MomWell podcast at momwell.com slash listen or on your favorite podcast platform.